Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Emotional Health Stream at ACB Focus here, Focus 2018. Who would have thought it would be such a wet day? This is a great place to find refuge, not just for your bodies, but also for your souls and for your minds. And uh, we're really excited to welcome some of you guys back from yesterday. Had a really great afternoon here yesterday afternoon with Pete Hughes. And we're in for a real treat uh, this afternoon because Ariana Walker is going to be speaking to us in a few moments. So if you're outside the tent and you're making your way in, um, do come and join us. It would be great if we could slightly fill from this central segment. It just means the acoustics are much better and you get a much better view of the stage. So if we could try and fill from this side, that would be hugely, hugely helpful. Well, I hope that you're sort of drying off. It has been quite a testing uh, five or six hours, I think. Some, anyone have a tent collapse in the nighttime? A few of you. I'm sorry about that. Any gazebos blow away? Anyone's lost their gazebo? Yeah, quite a few of those. And um, anyone forget to bring Wellington boots? Most people, yeah. So when we were packing for focus and you were thinking, the last thing I'll need after 58 days of sunshine is a pair of Wellington boots... You are kind of outfoxed there. Well, I'm sorry about that too. But um, this is a great space for you to find uh, a welcome, a home. And we're going to spend some time today working uh, around stress. I know I said yesterday that we would try and recommend some of the books in the stream. I'm going to talk a minute about Ari's books. But just to uh, remind you about Pete Hughes' new publication called All Things New, um, which is coming out at Christmas time. Uh, if you want to pick up a copy of Mine and Rob's new book, The Power of Belonging. There is a special focus pre-order slip just down here at the front. Um, there's also the worry book, the perfectionist book, the guilt book uh, in stock. And we've also got Patrick and Diane Regan coming. And there's a couple of books from them in the bookshop too. Um, Honesty uh, over silence and also When Faith Gets Shaken. So there's quite a few books in the emotional health stream here, which we'd love you uh, to have a look at. I know a number of you asked where you can get more help with regard to emotional mental health. Again, I'm going to talk about Mercy Ministries and Mercy's work in the UK in a couple of moments. But just to say as well, there's just a fly here with the Mind and Soul Foundation information on it. If you're interested in emotional mental health and Christian spirituality, then pick up one of these or just check us out on social uh, at Mind and Soul UK and you can find out a whole lot more. Well, I've known Ari uh, now for more than 10 years and uh, she is one of the most inspirational leaders in my life. Um, I'm on the board of Mercy UK, which is an incredible organisation, which had a vision to see the women of, in the sort of ages between sort of 18 and 24, uh, uh, in that kind of quadrant of life, overcome life-controlling issues. And, and at that time, Mercy opened a home in Bradford uh, for young women with issues around self-harm, uh, body image, low self-esteem, uh, depression, anxiety, and help them to restore the foundations of their life. And I, got, I was so excited about what they were doing there and the high value they placed on every young person, uh, their intention to make the environment itself a high value environment to help the young women to receive a sense of high value and high self-worth them, you know, all rooted in the identity that we have in Jesus. I was so moved by that. I got involved in the organization. I'm, I'm delighted to see how it's grown uh, over these last 10 plus years. And now uh, is ministering not just to uh, young women within that age group, but also young men, but actually beyond that now to churches across the UK and even into Europe uh, with a new resource uh, called the Keys to Freedom to help us all engage with emotional health and the kind of foundation stones of our lives. 
And we're passionate to see uh, leaders trained and transformed to have a healthier outlook, both a, a stronger understanding of who they are, but also a, a greater ability to help others because they've themselves re received help. And um, Ari's uh, written a couple of amazing books, which are in uh, the bookshop Painter Pearls, which is, um, you know, uh, really a journey from 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 suffering into revelation, a, a strengthening of the self, a redemption of all that's gone before, um, and a, a way to really live your story authentically, but in a redemption position. And, um, and Love Mercy, which is just an incredibly moving book, which uh, uh, details the, the stories, the testimonies of transformation that Mercy have seen over the years. And they have seen transformation in hundreds and hundreds of people's lives. I mean, unbelievable transformation. So that's a great book to give away. If you want to encourage someone who's just feeling a bit low or just believes that there isn't any hope for them, I really want to encourage you to pick that book up. And I just mentioned as well the Keys to Freedom course. And this is a really amazing new resource, which is about how do we train leaders across the church to get emotionally healthy. And the Keys to Freedom course is something you can do individually, but it's best done collectively in a group. Maybe you're a part of a small group, connect group, home group, a prayer group, you want to go and get involved in this. It's just a, a short course that you can work on together with God, find incredible freedom and lead other people into that freedom too. So there's a few resources there uh, I'd love you to think about uh, engaging with uh, over the next couple of days. Well, before I invite Ari to the stage, I'd just love to pray. Maybe you feel like you need prayer right now, um, just to engage with this through all the hardship of the last few hours. And um, let's pray for God's presence and for his power uh, in this tent right now. Jesus, we want to thank you that you love every single person in this room, that they're precious children of God. And we want to pray for them, Lord, that whatever material circumstances we're in right now, we would know your presence, we'd know your power, you'd know your love. Uh, we pray for anyone who's really struggling on the focus site right now. We want to pray for you to... Uh, wrap your arms of love around them. Help us to see the need and meet the need. And Father, we pray that you would bless us as we gather, as we seek wisdom. We want to pray for Ari as she comes to speak to us right now. Fill her with your Holy Spirit, Jesus, and bless her as she blesses us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give her a big round of applause. Ariana Walker. Do you want your phone? Yeah. Hello, everybody. I was one of the ones who did not pack wellies. So I've decided shoes versus flip-flop type things. I'll go for the flip-flops because at least I can dry my feet easier that way. Anyone else with me on that? Yes. If you don't have wellies, you might as well just go for the flip-flops, right? Yeah. So, um, any horse riders in this place? Give me a wave. Great. I don't know why, but I'm also doing a session tomorrow afternoon, and there seems to be a bit of a horse theme going on for me at the moment. I'm a horse lover, and been riding horses since I was about six years old. And a few years ago, I was riding a, a friend's horse. Uh, she was away on holiday, and I agreed to look after it and give it a bit of exercise. And I was riding on the Yorkshire Moors, where I live, and this particular horse was new to me. I didn't really know its 
independent little, little foibles and I'm having a great time just riding along and then we decide to go for a bit of a canter and it's nice and pleasant and song, bird song going on and enjoying the landscape and then, and then we go a little bit faster and I'm like, that's okay, I'm enjoying this. And then I don't know exactly when this happened or how this happened, but there was a moment at which I realized that I was no longer in control of the speed. The horse had decided that we were now facing home. That was exciting. And so he decided he was going to speed up, speed up a bit more, speed up a bit more. And and whilst I could feel a sense of, you know, I've been riding a long time. I'm like, I'm okay, speed's fine. I suddenly remembered that we were heading towards a cattle grid. Cattle grids are not good for horses' legs. They tend to break horses' legs and they then tend to put the horse down. Bearing in mind, this is my friend's horse and I'm thinking it's probably a good idea to somehow stop this horse. And I tried everything. I have many tricks up my sleeve of how to stop horses, except this one horse decided to completely set its neck. I could not get anywhere near the bit. And I I even tried pulling its head sideways so it couldn't see, but it just kept going. It kept going. It kept going. And so I just, and please don't ever do what I am about to tell you I did. It was one of my most stupidest moments. Um, but I am going to tell you anyway. So I have a public health warning on the next part of this story. I decided that the best way to prevent this horse from killing itself and potentially me, I was going to throw myself off. And I was going to hold on, because I figured it's not too big. It wasn't like the biggest horse. It was, you know, about this high. And I figured I could probably, I'm a pretty fast runner, I think I could probably either keep up with it or at least slow it down if I keep hold of the reins. Like I said, don't ever do this, ever. But I was desperate. And so I decided to literally fling myself off the horse and I held onto the reins. I lasted two steps, at which point I tripped up and then got dragged along the floor on my belly with the pounding of the hooves about here. I did manage to stop that horse, but I did nearly kill myself. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I feel exactly like that, where the things that are going on in my life, the speed at which it's going, the pressures that are surrounding me, I, I don't know when it got so fast, but I begin to realize that I'm not necessarily the one in control of the speed. Anybody feel like that in life sometimes? There is pressure everywhere we look. And there was certain times in leading a ministry and um, raising kids and being married and having all the different elements of life go on where I have felt like I'm being dragged along the floor and the pounding of hooves is right next to my head and I'm hoping and praying that somehow very soon the pace is going to slow down and I'm going to be okay. I remember in a time like that, praying and asking God and saying, God, I I can't keep up. I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going. I can't cope. 
and I was praying sort of panic prayers of strength and trying to figure out how to respond and I felt God say to me to turn to a scripture which I always find very encouraging when God says read a scripture so I was full of expectation and hope and excitement of what God was going to speak to me about and how he was going to strengthen and encourage me and so I turned to Jeremiah 12 verse 5 which is the scripture he gave me I also have to work technology this is what it says so Jeremiah if you're worn out in this foot race of men What makes you think you can can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when trouble breaks loose like the Jordan in flood? I was like, really? Like, seriously, God? When I feel like I'm being dragged along the floor, you're talking to me about you can't even keep up with, he called it footmen. This is calm. And And I suddenly felt challenged. I thought to myself, there's got to be a way where we can manage our lives, where we can keep up the pace, where we don't feel the need to throw ourselves off our, the horse of our life, if you like, hoping that somehow we're going to make it and slow it down. Because I began to, to see that actually we are surrounded by pressure But I also began to see that there is a difference between pressure and stress. So you see, pressure is everywhere. Pressure is just in life. Pressure is when the wind comes and it blows your tent away. That's pressure. There is pressure when there's um, difficult relationships in our life. There's pressure when we have deadlines to meet at work. There's pressure when we see uh, things going on in our world and in our community. There's pressure, pressure, pressure. As a Christian, we have extra pressure. There's all sorts of things going on in and around our lives that create pressure. But pressure does not necessarily mean we have to feel stressed. They are two very different things. And I believe that we can, as Christians, live in a pressured, in a demanding, in an externally um, imposing world of uh, demands on us without feeling the need to throw ourselves off the horse. I believe there is a way that we can keep up with the horses. I believe there is a way that we could increase our capacity where we can be the kind of people that understand that just because we find ourselves in pressured situations does not mean we have to bow our knee to stress. Let me take you to a scripture in Corinthians. I'm going to read this out to you and show you that Paul as he's writing this, is highlighting pressure, but there is nowhere in there stress. He says we are hedged in, pressed, this is from the Amplified, on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way. He is describing pressure. There is pressure coming in from the outside, but we are not cramped or crushed. What he's saying is there's pressure going on right now, but I am not throwing myself off the horse. I am not stressed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out. That is pressure. But we're not driven to despair. 
We are pursued, persecuted and hard driven, pressure, but not deserted to stand alone. He's saying we are not stressed. We are struck down to the ground, pressure, but never struck out and destroyed. We are, perhaps we are feeling pressure, but he says here, we are not down and out. We are not under stress. We are not throwing ourselves off and hoping that we have a quick end to it all. Pressure comes from external sources. It comes from expectations around us, from responsibility, from demand, from circumstances. Pressures can, in some ways, move us forward. It can create momentum in our lives. It can be the thing that propels us into whatever comes next. But stress is not that. Stress is what we feel internally. Stress, if I was to rewrite and paraphrase, I guess, this scripture a little bit and make it one that sounds, if if stress had a voice, this is what that scripture would sound like under stress. I'm hard pressed on every side. Everywhere I look, there's something that needs my attention and its weight is crushing me to the point where I feel breathless. I'm completely perplexed and because I can't see a solution to this problem, despair is setting in. I am persecuted by people who should have supported me and now I feel completely alone and abandoned by those around me. I'm struck down, but I can't afford to be down, so I'll just keep soldiering on, I'll just keep going until I simply cannot get back up again. That is stress. That is an internal response that is damaging and and, um, destructive to our sense of well-being when the pressure around us is so great and we have an inability to respond, we become under stress. The Bible, actually in that very same passage that I just read in 2 Corinthians, we started at verse eight, that's where I started reading, but actually if we go before that in verse seven, there's a key in there that helps us understand how we can begin to respond to the pressure around us, not in a stressful way. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I believe that stress comes from trying to respond to the many and varied pressures of our life from within our own resources. And we very quickly run out of our own resources. Our personal ability to deal with the pressures of life is very limited. But God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, it says in the scriptures. He has given us all surpassing power. He has given us something called grace. I think sometimes we need to deal with the fact that actually we don't have what it takes to meet the external demands, which is the very position we find ourselves in. We we can either go into stress of being overwhelmed with the fact that we can't cope with the pressure or we step into something called grace. 
where we tap into God's all-surpassing power. I remember going through a season in my life where this was very much uh, going on for me. I was not coping well. I was going at 100 miles an hour. I was running on empty. I kept trying to meet external pressures from my own internal demands. And to be honest, if you are a well-resourced person, if you are quite strong on the inside, if you have good resilience, if you feel like you've got some skills and ability in a certain area, you can, for quite a long time, rely on your own strength and your own ability to meet demand and meet pressure, but you will run out. Sooner or later, you will find yourself feeling like you have nothing left to give. You will overcommit and underdeliver. You will find yourself constantly trying to meet the demands and feeling like you've got nothing left to give. I got to a point like that in my life and God used a, a horse analogy once again to help me understand what I needed to do. And anyone in here, I am, I'm going to confess now, I am, I am a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Anyone in here not seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, you can all leave. You are now no longer my friend. Although it's raining, so I'll have sympathy and pity on you and let you stay. But Lord of the Rings is amazing. You should watch it. It's, it's, it's godly. <laughs> Proven by the fact that God used it to help explain this concept to me. And for those of you who haven't watched it, still haven't quite forgiven you for that, but I'll explain just a little bit of the story because I need to, need to just describe a scene to you that's going to help with what I am trying to communicate today. There is a basic, I can explain it in one line, okay? There's a bad ring, bad, bad ring, evil ring, terrible evil ring, full of darkness. It needs to be destroyed. And a very small person called Frodo is going to take it back to the place where it was made to destroy it. Yeah? Stay with me. It's going to get really good. Frodo, on the way to the ultimate purpose, gets stabbed by the enemy. And he's dying. And as he's laying there with a mortal wound and moments away from death, stay with me, enters an elven princess. I promise you it's going to get good. And she's riding on a white horse. And as she gets off the horse, she kneels next to him and she reveals the wound and she says these words, this is too much for me. I need to take him to my father. And as she said those words, literally, I felt like a chill go through me and I paused, rewind, watch again. This is too much for me. I need to take him to my father. This is too much for me. I need to take him to my father. And I felt God say to me, your first step is to understand that the things I've given you, the external demands, responsibilities, the ministry, the the, the needs of those around you, all of it is too much for you. But I'm not going to take the pressure away. Because it's there to stay. We live in a world that is a pressured world. The answer cannot be, let's take the pressure away. It has to be, how do we respond and from what source do we respond? And so I, I felt myself challenged. This is too much for me. I need to take him to my father. And so he is lifted off the ground and he is placed on a white horse. And I felt God say to me, that horse 
is the, my gift to my people, and it's called my grace. Everything God is, everything he has, his incredible power, his ability, his wisdom, his provision, his strength, his joy, his peace, all that heaven contains made available to us, not because we deserve it, because we need it, free of charge, called grace. And in this scene, it took the form of a, of a white horse and God said to me, pick up the burdens that you have. Pick up that which you are carrying. Pick up the wounds that you're trying to fix. Pick up the relationships you're trying to pour into from your own strength. Pick it all up and put it on my grace. Allow me to carry it. It says in the word, roll your cares unto him because he cares for you. And then the scene unfolds a little more. And she doesn't do what I think a lot of us do in life, which is perhaps take all our burdens and our challenges to God and pray about them. But then we do this. We run alongside the horse, trying to keep up. And we get tired. And we slow everything down because we don't have the speed that God's grace has. And so we ourselves need to do what she did in the scene and get on the horse herself. Not only just the things we carry, not just the pressures, not just the demands, not just the burdens we have and the cares that we have, but ourselves. We get on his grace and we allow his grace to set the pace in our lives. We become obedient to what God has asked us to do and don't do more or less of it. It was a a challenge to me and something that I have for now many years gone back to when I have felt that same sense of exhaustion, the same sense of the speed has got out of control again. I remind myself, am I running alongside the horse? There's so many times in worship where I picture myself getting back on his grace, allowing him to carry me. I think that we have... To understand that we are all a little like vanilla slices. And if I could have found one, I would have had it here to show you. But if you've ever tried to eat a vanilla slice, it's virtually impossible to do so without the custard coming out. Even the slightest bit of pressure, and what happens? squirts right out. I think humans are pretty similar to vanilla slices. We are, when we come under pressure, we, out of us comes what's on the inside of us. To me, pressure isn't the issue, it's the custard. What is it that comes out of us when we find ourselves under pressure? You can eat it from the side, you can put a knife and fork to it, whichever way you turn it, the tiniest squeeze, custard comes out. And you don't know really what's on the inside of a person until pressure comes in their life. And we all know in our own lives when we're under pressure, there are certain behaviors, there are certain ways of doing things, there are certain 
ways of talking and communicating that come out when we are under pressure. Many of you will be finding that right now in your tents, with your children, with your spouses, with your uh, significant others, when you're in small spaces with lots of rain, pressure all around. There will be lots of custard flying around right now, I believe, on this site. And I think our challenge is to kind of examine when we are under pressure, just take a look at your own internal world, your own internal narrative, your own kind of what's coming out of your mouth and examine what is the driver right now? What am I responding with to the external pressure? And I have found over the years there are some common custards, if you like, common themes that tend to come out of people, manifest themselves in stressful responses to pressured situations, and they're really just a form of custard that comes out every time pressure is squeezed on. One of those is inadequacy, just the sense of, I, I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. There's too much expectation on me. I said I was going to run this team. This team is a nightmare. They're not turning up when they said they were going to turn up. They're not going to, they're not, they're not, not here. And, and, and that's been happening. And, and, and so we begin to feel the pressure and then it reflects on the inside of us as, well, I shouldn't have signed up for it. I didn't, I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew I couldn't have done this. I don't have what it takes. I am not good enough. I am not enough to meet the pressure and the custard that comes out is inadequacy. And we become overwhelmed with the sense of not having enough. We can't do it. That we then begin to back away from any other sense of demand. And we begin to go in on ourselves, beat ourselves up, lash out at other people. And all underneath, the custard that's coming out, it's just, I'm not good enough. And... Technically, as a, as a speaker, as a leader, maybe I should be saying, no, you are. Don't think like that. Don't let inadequacy speak to you like that. You are enough. You can do this. You've got this. But actually, I'm going to say the exact opposite. You don't have it. You don't have enough. You don't have what it takes. None of us do. This is the lie, you see. The lie is that we're supposed to be having it all together so that we can, you know, respond to the pressure of life with this perfect perfect display of calm, cool, collected Britishness when in fact inside we're losing it. Can I just give you a piece of advice? Just deal with the fact that none of us have what it takes to meet the pressures of life without God. Life has been set up for us to fail without his all-surpassing power on the inside of us, without his grace carrying us through every challenge. Paul said it. He said, I will boast in my weakness because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Whilst ever we are trying to cover up the custard that's come out, we're not allowing God to fill us up with his strength and his purpose and his joy and and, and his peace. If we can't get to a point where we say, you know what, I I can't do this, then we're just going to keep spilling custard out every single time pressure comes. We are inadequate. His strength 
is made perfect in our weakness. His adequacy is enough. His worthiness is enough. And all we need to do is constantly be those people who get ourselves back on the horse, get back on the horse called grace, lift up the burdens and put them on a horse called grace. There's another custard that comes out on a regular basis. It's kind of similar to this, but a flip side is perfectionism. Because we kind of realize we don't have what it takes to meet the demands, and so we try and cover it up. Don't let anyone see that we don't have it all together. Cry, keep the custard in, keep the custard in, quick, quick, keep it in, don't mop it up, get rid of it, don't let, they must not see. You cannot eat a vanilla slice without the custard coming out. You cannot be a person under pressure without whatever's inside of you coming out. And if you have got perfectionist tendencies, get Will and Rob's book for a start, because that's gonna really help you deal with the reasons why you feel the need to always have it together. It's gonna help you mop up the custard for good so the next time you're under pressure, you're gonna find that the custard is a slightly more uh, sweeter taste. Another custard would be people-pleasing. They're all quite similar in one sense, but they're all expressions of our own humanity and our failings on the inside. People-pleasing, we feel the need to not let anyone down. So the pressure, the, the pressure, the external demands, the stress it causes on the inside of us because we hate letting people down means we keep letting people down because we overpromise, we overcommit, we don't like to say no and so we say yes way more than we should do and it increases the pressure more than it needs to and it therefore increases the custard, the stress that we find on the inside. We can be trapped in a false sense of responsibility. It's my job. I said I would do it. I need to make sure that I follow through on everything. I need to, you know, because I've overcommitted now. I mean, can you imagine if you've got all these flavors of custards going on on the inside of you at once? It's no wonder you're not sleeping. It's no wonder that you're snapping at the people around you because the pressure of our lives is immense. And if all these things are going on on the inside and the pressure is squeezing it out, we're going to keep spilling false responsibility. We're going to keep spilling people-pleasing, sense of inadequacy, and we'll do what we can to hide it because we want to stay perfect. And all we're doing is increasing our stress levels on the inside. And really, all of it is just powered by fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of letting people down, fear of getting it wrong, fear of not being good enough, fear, 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 fear. Stress equals just living in fear, fear of losing it all. It's not how we were called to live. I believe with all my heart that God knew the pressures we would be facing. He knew the setup of this world we live in. He knew that the demands would be on our 
reasonable expectation to be able to meet. He knew all of this and he hasn't turned his back on us. He hasn't said, figure it out, try not to kill yourself when you throw yourself off the horse. No, no, no. He comes alongside and he says, get on my horse. It won't throw you off. Get on my horse. Find the rhythm of grace. I would suggest if you identify with some of the custards that I've just mentioned, even just a little bit, then one of the things that I would suggest for you to do is take a look at this uh, book called Keys to Freedom. Will mentioned it earlier and it's available in the bookshop and it's literally an eight-week personal discipleship course that you can do on your own in your bedroom with a pen, a journal, a Bible and the Holy Spirit. 20 minutes a day, five days a week, it will take you through um, some of the foundational aspects of Christianity, of why we need to forgive, renewing your mind. It will give you tools to be able to deal with some of the custard. You see, inadequacy, perfectionism, people-pleasing, false responsibility, fear are all root issues going on and they're they're there for a reason. And if we can be those who are prepared to slice the top of the vanilla slice off, you can deal with the custard without spilling it everywhere. That's the way. Just take the lid off. And this, this book here will help you take the lid off in a safe place, your own space. And if you need some extra support, you can contact Mercy UK, who've got a department of people there who can pray with you, encourage you, who can refer you if you need some extra help. It's, it's there to deal with some of the internal landscape of what happens to you when, you when the pressure gets too much. This is to help you stay on the horse so you don't throw yourself off. So I would definitely suggest you take this, get that from over there and and commit to just eight weeks of going through some of that basic stuff and deal with the custard inside. How are we doing time-wise? Okay, I need to move on. I'm going to do a really quick stress buster exercise for you. We're going to go one at a time. I've done it nice and easy for you. Stress busters. I'm going to start with an S. These are little bullet points for you to take away with you to remember of uh, points that you can work through in your life to put some things in place that are going to help you have, not have a stress response to pressured situations. And the first one, set boundaries. Near where I live, there's a, an apple tree that grows in someone's garden and there's a big 10 foot wall that walls the whole whole garden and boundaries it off. But there are some of the branches that have grown so tall that they grow over the wall. And every year, without fail, there will be people gathering around that apple tree, collecting apples in baskets and plastic bags. And you'll see kids trying to throw stones to get the apples down. You'll see people climbing up on each other's shoulders to try and get, they are really good apples. And they grow over the wall. And so they are available for the public who happen to be passing along a public footpath to take whichever apples they can reach and they can get to and it'd be okay. Because the apples have grown over on this side of the wall. However, 
If someone were to put a ladder up against the wall, climb up the ladder, swing their leg over the wall and get apples from this side, they would immediately be trespassing. They would be committing a crime. They would be crossing a boundary. It's the same tree. It's maybe even the same branch. And yet, on this side of the wall, it's permitted, it's allowed, it's encouraged. This side of the wall, you can go to prison. Although I doubt you can go to prison for stealing an apple, but hey. This side of the wall, you're committing a crime. Boundaries matter. Boundaries are important in our lives. Boundaries define what is what, who it belongs to, and what is accessible. And one of the things I would say to us, if you want to prevent stress response to pressure, be someone who has very clear boundaries in place. Don't make all your apples available to anyone and everyone who passes by your life because they will take them, every single one of them. And then you will feel empty and you will feel hollow and you will feel without fruit because guess what, everyone else took them. We are supposed to be responsible for the resources that God has given us in our life, which is our time, our energy, our finances. They are the things we are able to give away and and impart and and invest in other people or other uh, situations around us. But we have a responsibility to steward that, to take care of the resources we have. And there are things that we make sure are on that side of the wall. This group of people can access those resources from my life. But this side of the wall is for those who are close to me. These, this is for my close friends or my spouse or the people who I do life with immediate, in the immediate circle. We can prevent stress. We can help prevent stress, rather, by being someone who understands and has clear boundaries in place. Boundaries protect Boundaries define. Boundaries mean we are able to make decisions based on the boundaries we put in place. I think boundaries is one of the most underrated skills in life. And if you are someone who struggles with people pleasing, with managing your time, with false responsibility, boundaries is usually in there somewhere as something that you find difficult to do. You feel bad that there's now no apples left and there's hungry people passing by your life. And there's like an urge inside to give them more apples, to run around, round the wall and go, here, have these as well. And so we just need to examine ourselves and make sure that we are not overgiving and overcommitting to things that we need to protect. If you need to know more about boundaries, if it's something you feel like you need some work on, I can recommend a book called Boundaries. There you go. That's all you need to know. By Cloud and Townsend. I don't know if it's available there, but I know Amazon have it. You must, must, must get it. It will save your stress levels from going through the roof. When you begin to understand how boundaries help you respond to pressure with a thought through strategic response, not just willy-nilly throw an apple at anyone who's hungry. Next one. 
Take time out. You can't give what you don't have. And if you're trying to respond to pressures around you, external demands, external responsibilities, things going on around you, um, without building yourself up, without uh, taking care of you, then you will quickly run, even more quickly run out of resources. We need to love ourselves enough to take care of ourselves. Ask yourself, do you have a hobby? Something you just do for fun? Do you have one? Just think, do you have a hobby? And do you do that hobby? Do you, I mean, most people would say, yes, I have a hobby, I like that. And then you say, well, when's the last time you did that? Uh, I don't know, can't remember, exactly. We need to allow ourselves time and space to rest, you know, the, Psalm 23 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes us lie down in green pastures. You know why? Because we don't always willingly lie down in green pastures. The green pastures are the places where he rejuvenates us. He feeds us up. He gives us strength to move forward because guess what's coming? The valley of the shadow of death, which is where he says, even though I go through the valley, and guess what? Most people sit down in the valley and walk past the green pastures. And they sit down in the valley because it got too hard, it got too dark, it got too difficult and too stressed because they didn't take time to sit in the green pastures. So we need to be people who make sure that we build in green pasture time for our souls. We are soul, body, and spirit. So feed our spirits, yes, but also feed our bodies and our minds and our souls. If you like to, I don't know, go shopping, even if you don't have any money, you can still window shop and enjoy time just wandering around town. I have done that many times. My husband's sitting there, he's like, when have you ever not bought anything though? I have been known to buy things and then take them back <laughs> just because I actually enjoy buying things. It's my pleasure. I enjoy walking around shops. I enjoy reading books. There was a time in my life where I didn't have time to read books. All the books I was reading were what I call God books. They were kind of books to help me grow, books to help me lead, books to help me have boundaries, all the kind of books I've just recommended to you, by the way. Um, I, I spent years reading those books and then realized that the hobby and the love of reading that I had as a child had become work. And so I made a conscious decision to start reading novels that have nothing to do with work. They add no value to my life. They're not teaching me anything. God isn't speaking to me through them. They are just for fun. I've also realized that it's better to have little and often because I was going for 100 miles an hour, collapsing on a two-week holiday. It took me three days to de-stress, then have a bit of a holiday, and then the last three days of your holiday, you started to ramp up again. It's all coming back, the pressure's coming back, I can feel it, I need to get ready. And so you, you, you just go, 100 miles an hour, crash. 100 miles an hour, crash. So I decided that life needed to be a little bit more little and often. I like to read, so I'm going to read books and I'm going to make sure that I do some stuff that I enjoy. I enjoy reading, going to a movie. I enjoy being with my friends. So figure out what it is you like to do and do it. 
not rocket science, but it will help you. And if you struggle, if you're thinking to yourself now, and there's a slight narrative of I feel guilty, I don't have time to do that, or if I do that, then so-and-so isn't going to get what they need, then you need to do keys to freedom. (laughs) Because there's a driver in there that's not letting you take care of you. So look at that. Next one. I'm aware that I'm going to have to go faster. Relationships matter most. Invest in, build up. This goes back to the apple tree. Who is on this side? Who is on your side of the wall? And make sure you invest in them. Make sure you're not giving all your apples away to the crowd, to the responsibilities, to the, to the big pressures and undervalue and, and not build up the precious few that are close by, your spouse, your children. Only, this is a good uh, little, um, I guess, measure. Who are you the only one for? Because those are the people that matter the most. So, for instance, I am my husband's only wife, as far as I'm aware. For the last 26 years, only I can be his wife. Only I can be a mother to my two children. Now, I may be a, I say children, they're like children. I still like to do that though. Only I can be their mother. Now, there can be other voices into their life, but I am their mother. Only me. Anyone can do what I'm doing right now. Anyone. Anyone can lead mercy. And I know that because God told me that himself value the relationships that only you can fulfill. You are your parents only, well, you might have brothers and sisters, but they only have you. Only one of you. Build up memories because you're gonna need those memories when you're old. My husband's Grandmother is 96 or 7 now, and a few years ago, when she was already in and well into her 90s, there was this little thing that happened that really helped me. She took a biscuit. It was such a simple thing. She took a bit. She couldn't. She wasn't watching TV anymore. She wasn't really reading anymore. She wasn't really engaged in many activities anymore. There wasn't very much she was doing every day. She slept a lot, and she would, you know, interact with the people who came to visit her. But other than that, there was very little going on in her life. She was well into her nineties. But she took a biscuit as we were chatting. There was three of us there, and as she took the biscuit, she looked at it and she smiled and she went, "Audrey used to love these." Audrey was her sister. And then she disappeared. Our conversation carried on. We were chatting away and she just went somewhere. And I remember saying to her, Gran, where did you just go? And she rejoined the conversation. She said, oh, I was just remembering how much Audrey loved these biscuits. And she went on to tell me a memory of the things they used to do. To, they used to have these little schemes going of how they would get biscuits from their uh, shop, I can't remember what it was now, but what struck me was that all she had was memories. It's like a bank account. It's like a pension that you have to pay into when you're young. 
When you're going about your life, you get to make memories that you gather up and you put into a bank account for when you're 90-something sitting in a room taking a biscuit out of a tin because you're going to need something to go back on, something you remember, something you replay in your mind and brings a smile to your face. Too many people are going through their life at 100 miles an hour and I fear that when they get to 90 something, all they remember is the hours in the office. All they remember is the ministry they built, but the relationships that failed. Remember, build up your memory bank now so that when you're old, you can go and take from it. You can make withdrawals from your memory bank. It matters. It's important. It will relieve your stress now because you're having some fun and it will relieve your stress when you're in your 90s because you, are, you get to replay some of your happiest memories. Eat, sleep, exercise. <laughs> Basically, be fit for purpose. We live pressured lives. There is a great demand on us, physically, mentally, emotionally. There are things we can do that help us respond to that. I already talked about building up your relationship with God, accessing his grace, but there's also physical things we can do. There literally has been times when I felt God tell me to eat more vegetables. You think God has more important things to talk to me about? You know, like the direction of mercy and the growth of a new strategy and how to deal with some difficult situations. No, 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 no. He talked to me about eating more vegetables and getting some exercise because we only have one body. Take care of it. Make sure that you are valuing your physical being. It will help you respond to pressure without stress. Set realistic goals. This kind of ties a little bit with the perfectionism custard. Be, I've learned to under-promise and over-deliver. It's such a release. Sometimes there's been pressure in my life that I can do something about. Most of the time, you can't do anything about the pressure you're facing. Every now and then, you get to realize, actually, this pressure is coming from me. I can actually change this. I can communicate with someone to say, you know what? We don't really need to do all of those things in a week. We could do them in a month and give ourselves some time. So don't be afraid to communicate uh, to those around you realistic goals of things you're trying to achieve, things you're trying to do. Don't try and do it all by yesterday. And the last one is seek support. End the pretend that you are all there, that you've got it together, that you are totally sorted, just build up a decent support network around you. If you are struggling, if you are not sleeping, if you are getting tension headaches, if you are fidgety, if you are snappy, if you are basically living in a constant stress level, you're going to cut your life short. 
you're going to throw yourself off the horse, get dragged along the floor, narrowly miss the pounding hooves and come to a halting stop with bruises all over your body. That is not how God called us to live. Seek support. Talk to people. Build relationships around you that are authentic, that are real. You don't have to spill your guts to everyone who stands still long enough to listen. You just need to develop. This is, this is why it all goes together. If you're someone who has all these other things in place, then seeking support is actually not that difficult because you have a support network built in. And so if you don't have that, begin building it. If you're struggling to begin building it, reach out to um, those in leadership over you. Maybe you have some pastoral support around you. Just start communicating. You are not coping. You need some help. You need some strategies. And, you know, have some people around you that are safe to talk to. I think we're running out of time, are we not? Five minutes. I wonder if we could all just stand together. I'm going to end in prayer. It's also a good place to start. (laughs) Father, I just want to thank you that you are a good, good father and that you love your children and that you have set us up for success in this world. Thank you that you are one who stands with us, runs with us, walks with us. Father, I thank you that you have not left us abandoned to the pressures of this world. You are not without compassion and love for us. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you strengthen every person who feels they're on a runaway horse right now? Would you help them refocus on your grace? Would you help them find ways to slow the pace down? Not so that they can halt, but that they can actually, in fact, increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Do take your seats again just for a moment. Ari, that was absolutely amazing and so helpful. Um, Ari's around again tomorrow at half past two for an unmissable one-off. And so if you want to catch her, check the programme again tomorrow. I just really want to recommend as well, if you have a chance to catch her, um, maybe over in the Tear Fund bookshop, if you're interested in uh, a copy to Keys to Freedom, do have a look. But also, if you're interested in the work of Mercy UK, just check them out online at Mercy UK uh, or the website uh, at mercyuk.org and uh, you will be amazed at the ministry and, and, and we hope that uh, maybe through just this talk some of you will connect with that ministry, pray uh, for, the, for the people involved, maybe get involved yourself if you feel that you have significant need. I can't recommend you doing that short discipleship course for yourselves so we can help the church find emotional health and therefore have more to offer the world around us. Thank you so much uh, for being with us again today. We are back tomorrow with looking after your teenage brain and up here tomorrow with Dr. Kate Middleton. Um, That is not the Kate Middleton you're thinking of, but she is an eminent doctor, a psychologist, and uh, she is a brilliant church leader. She is going to be here uh, to help us understand the science of brain development in teenagers. This is a session for parents and for teenagers. 
Um, we've also got um, a headmaster from Brighton College who's going to be talking to us about the education side, uh, Steve Marshall-Taylor. He's going to be talking to us about the educational development side of the teenage brain, how we can support teenagers in their brain development through the educational years. And I'm going to be talking to you from the uh, emotional health and uh, faith perspective. So if you'd like to come back at the same time tomorrow for that seminar, you're really welcome. And then we've got uh, Diana Patrick Regan coming to us on Tuesday. So have a great afternoon. There are some venue changes because of the weather. If you're looking for the dating course, it's now in the Tear Fund Cafe, uh, not in the functions marquee, sorry, not in the out of focus marquee because that is currently uh, out of action. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Thanks a lot. <laughs>